98.7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast. I'm your host, Adi, riding solo today without the other boys, but we've got some of the GreekSoccer.com writers here, people from the old days, LibyakosWorld.com, GreekSoccer.com, hanging out, trying to bring some of those conversations to the forefront. We've got Perry here. You guys might recognize him from the No Fouls Given podcast. He joined us earlier. His handle used to be Greek Michael Scott. We've got crew here, Knight Rue, for those of you that were part of the forums back then. And lastly, we have George uh, all the way. We actually have two people from Canada. Uh, half of the round table here is Canadian. And George was Trilos Fanatic. So round table is going to be beginning. But first, we have, of course, our uh, couple points of housekeeping. Uh, guys, if you haven't checked it out yet, our Nico Polivi interview is live. It is up on YouTube with English subtitles for those of you who don't speak fluent Greek. And the Greek audio is available on all podcasting platforms. Additionally, our very own Lambro finally got to go to the airport, boys. He came in for the basketball signing Mustafa Fall. So we're very excited for Lambro. He finally got his dream to go to the airport for the podcast. Check it out. The photos are up on Instagram and social media, as well as IGTV has a video of him being the first on scene. Thursday, July 1st, we're actually going to be joined by a player agent uh, and get a look kind of at the day in the life of what a player agent goes through. This player agent also represents a couple players in Greece. So that'll be a fun conversation, kind of get some of the uh, behind the scenes um, on Sunday. Uh, this might end up getting postponed, but we were going to have Philip Vonk, who's the technical director and coach of the Libyakos DC Academy team, the UPSL team that just won their division playoffs. Uh, they're in the division finals. So we'll see if it happens because it looks like he's going to be busy next weekend, uh, but I'll keep you guys posted with that. We're looking forward to having him on the show. Uh, a HEPA guys. Again, if you are members of AHEPA, uh, please get your buddies to come join. Help us defend Hellenism. If you are interested in joining AHEPA, you can DM me if you'd like, or you can go to the ahepa.org site. Uh, get involved, meet other Greeks, and do your part to defend Hellenism. And before we get any further, uh, I did want to give out a huge shout out. There's been some big news from yesterday. Uh, for those of you especially that are basketball fans, you will know the legend himsp himself, Spanu Vasilis Spanulis, has retired. He has officially retired from the game. He will be sorely missed. All-time points and assist leader in EuroLeague history. Balkan Athlete of the Year. Two-time All-European Player of the Year. Vatican's World Athlete of the Year. EuroLeague MVP. And member of eight all-European team selections. 
the accolades for Spanulis are near endless. And uh, the podcast just wanted to say a few things to Vasily. Uh, Vasily, you deserve to go out better in a, in a season with fans in the stadiums that could appreciate you uh, at, and support you. Uh, our generation, for us, you're the, you're the greatest of all time. You're the GOAT. It has to be said. You chose to go across Athens to come to the port from our arch rivals. You did it your way. You wrote your own story, your own history, but more importantly, you rewrote Olympiakos' history. You led this team to its biggest successes over the past decade. Titles in Greece, monop- which have been monopolized by Panathinaikos, back-to-back Euro leagues, and the Intercontinental Cup. Thanks for all the memories. Players and coaches, they come and go. Owners come and go as well. But legends like Spanulis, they're here forever. Thank you again for everything you've done for this club, Spanulis. And take a break. It's time for a break, buddy. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Paris International. Preis International has been helping Greek ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out from Baltimore, Maryland every month during COVID-19. Uh, fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24, send it to our friends in Baltimore, and it will be shipped to the Port of Piraeus for only $50. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100. Give them a call at 410-675-4696 or send an email to sales at piraeusintl.com. All right, now that we've got the housekeeping out of the way, it's time to jump into it. So I already did the introductions. How are we doing today, Perry? How are you feeling this morning? I, uh, well, you you brought up some emotions for sure with uh, Spanuli. I, I, just a quick note on that. I, I had the pleasure just before the pandemic to be there, uh, and I had courtside seats uh, for Olympiaco against Fenerbahce, and I got to see him become the all-time leading scorer in EuroLeague history. Uh, and I have an awesome uh, video of that on my phone that I'd be happy to share that you can post uh, um, uh, on your platforms. But, um, yeah, I was uh, – honestly, I was looking through some of the highlights on my phone yesterday. And, um, honestly, some of the best memories that I'll have uh, in terms of Olympiaco and basketball uh, are going to be centered around uh, – uh, that guy and some of his performances, uh, both uh, domestic and abroad. So there's that. And then uh, I know you didn't mention it in the uh, in the intro, but we kind of woke up. Well, here in Canada, we just woke up uh, to some upsetting news about our guy Costa Fortuny. I don't know if you're going to get into that later, so I don't want to spoil it. But basically, the guy has to deal with another. Um, Pretty massive injury, and uh, that was disappointing to hear. Uh, I know I just told my dad. My dad kind of left the house. He was uh, not too pleased. So, um, but, yeah, other than that, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's a big deal here in Montreal. And uh, Yanni uh, in Milwaukee has the series tied 1-1, and uh, it looks like it just might be his year. Um, so 
Let's hope. Things to look forward to. We had two great games in the Euros yesterday, so I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Crew, how you feeling, buddy? Doing well. Um, thanks for putting this together. This is uh, a great idea. It'd be, um, it's good to kind of relive the old days of the forums. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously I, I woke up to the Fortunus news as well. And um, it stinks. Uh, there's really nothing else you can say. Um, apparently it's the other knee this time, right? Yep. Um, well, that's how it happens. Well, we're going to, we're going to get into that. That'll probably be one of the first things we get into when we address some of the news. Um hundred percent, because that's going to be that's devastating for the team. It really is. And lastly, George, how you doing, buddy? Nice and early for you guys. Yes, I'm getting uh, old. As I'm getting older, I'm waking up more. Uh, wake up earlier. <laughs> uh, as you can see with my white hair, I think I'm the oldest one here now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It might be close. I'm, I'm getting you? old myself. How old are you guys? Uh, I'm 31. I'm getting there. I'm 31 going on 70. Does that help? I've never seen the other Montrealer. How is it that I never saw another Lupiacata in Montreal before? <laughs> that, that, you got to ask Perry about that. Well, I've been, for, I've been bouncing, bouncing around. I was in I was in D.C. for what? I did like eight years on and off between uh, undergrad yeah. and graduate. So, yep. And then I, I lived in Toronto for a bit as well. So, but in, in uh, You're a Montreal or Laval? Where were you born? Yeah, I was born in Montreal. Uh, Park X. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Look, but yeah, after you guys, I think it's, it's it's one or the other. Yeah. How, how old are you? Thirty. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm forty-five. So. Oh, you're not that old. Yeah. The jeans, the the, <laughs> the, 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 the Kalamata jeans from my father's, my mother's side. There you white, go. White hair from young. There you go. Well, Perry brought it up a little bit already. Let's jump into it. The Fortuny injury. Guys, it looks like uh, the same injury again, but this time on his other knee. Uh, now, I can tell you from experience because I've torn I've torn my ACL in both knees. Actually, the second time I did it, I tore every ligament in the knee except for my LCL, the lateral collateral ligament. So this injury is nasty. And when you do the first one, after the repair happens – it is very likely that it's a very high percentage of players that do the other one as well because you over-rely on the first one. So I wanted to get your guys' opinion on how you think this is going to affect us. Another year, basically, uh, we can pretty much say a full season. Let's Even if he does recover after six months, he's not going to feature regularly. It'll be just like the first time. He might feature a little bit in the second half of the season. What does this mean for the team? Is this going to be a big impact? So we'll start with crew. Give us your thoughts on that. All right. So if you turn the clock back a couple of years, right, um, when this happened, uh, obviously there was uh, shock. Um, what the team did at that point was to move Albuena from what he came in to be, which was more of a wide player, into more of a central role based on the formation that Martins was using at the time. Um, so the question is, you know, do we try to find that person in-house um, or do we look for either a purchase or a loan for the year? Um, I, I'm sure they're discussing that right now. Um, you know, obviously Martins has um, 
gone back and forth between the three four three and the uh, the four two three one, depending on the situation in the play. I mean, who knows what his long term plan with that? Obviously, we have a lot of uh, possible transfers in and out that would help sort of shake out those questions. Um, but I guess on some level, you know, obviously it's horrible for the player. Um, but I'm not. I've never been a hundred percent convinced how much on the same page Fortunus and Martins have been. Um, and I'm curious to see, um, like which players are going to take advantage of the possible extra minutes. That's something we have brought up on this podcast a lot. Um, uh, much to our, uh, I guess I should say, uh, regret because obviously we think Fortuny is not just one of the most talented players in Libyakos, but in Greece in general. Uh, so very good points you bring up there, George, how do you think this injury is going to affect us? Well, the first thing, uh, if I was, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Pedro, is you go up to Marinaki and you tell him, listen, uh, what's going, it's, let's be honest. He, I think he's year to year now, right? So are we going for it? And I'm, I'm still going to be here because, I, you know, Marinaki's not in the, he's not in the dark here. You know, like he knows with Pedro that uh, if he's going to stay another year or whatever, you know, do you, we go for it? Do we spend the money? It's pandemic season too. Like you guys have mentioned a lot of times that a lot of people are not thinking about, you know, it's pandemic. They don't know now stadiums are, are going to be in Greece and be able to put people. Every dollar counts for Olympiacos. Uh, are we going to make the Champions League to get that money? These are all things that uh, I think are, are, are discussed more than just buying a player. Marinaki could get a player. Is he willing to spend uh, three, four million dollars to get a player to play in his position? Well, that is the question, right? That is the question. We know uh, it's it's difficult. It's going to be interesting what we see. Uh, I. It was already the case that we were probably bringing in one of those winger inside winger types already. Now the question is, do we bring in another? And is it somebody that we loan? Is this going to be career ending for, for Fortuny? You know, number two, and it's not that he's an old guy, but he's, you know, he's, he's up there, you know, he's getting to that age where, you know, it's, there's not much, there's only a few years, a couple years of prime football left in him. What does this injury do? Uh, Perry, well, give us your thoughts, man. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily go to career ending just because you look at Madalo. Uh, that's one. That's the kind of the first player that I think of in recent history, at least in terms of Greek football, uh, that's gone through something similar. Uh, and Madalo, since the second uh, injury, has been very solid for Ajax whatever your thoughts may be on Ike and him as a player. Um, the next thing that I think of is that we have to endure another campaign of Greece trying to qualify for uh, an international competition with this love affair between Van Schip and Bacaseta playing the 10 with no one to contest it. And it makes me sick to my stomach, uh, to put it lightly, uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, and then at the end of the day, it just, it sucks. He's, you know, he's, he's a big part of the team. You know, how many times did we see Olbiaco kind of in the mud, uh, in terms of creativity and offense last year and you'd throw in Fortuny 
and in the next five minutes it's like a switch goes off and all of a sudden it's like okay we're finding some space we're creating chances um so and just having worked w in football having worked with players just any time that an injury that sets back someone for any kind of time especially when it's three four or five months i mean this is their this is their livelihood this is how they earn a living like i hate seeing that it doesn't matter who they play for or what they do um just it sucks but you know the show must go on and olympiaco is gonna have to find answers and they're gonna have to find them quickly because uh you know they got another friendly today and they're gonna be uh playing some uh qualifiers uh in the next month so yeah yeah, we'll definitely see. We got a comment here from Stratos Petrakopoulos. Uh, very sorry for Fortuny, really unlucky, but I think it is not going to have an impact on the team. He has not been doing the difference lately, and for the level Olympiakos wants to reach players like him are not going to take you there. All this most quality player in Greece, and Olympiakos has become more a cliche than mirroring the pitch in reality. Um, I, you know what, I, we have been saying that he is the best player in Greece for so long. I guess I understand. And the point that maybe it doesn't impact the team that much, there's something to that because Martins has been building this team. Uh, I don't want to say in spite of Fortuny, but independent of Fortuny. And we've seen that, uh, questions we've had on this podcast before that Costa Labro and, and Peter and I have discussed where does he start to fit in? Because he's a natural 10. Uh, he's been playing as this inside winger under Martins, but just to slot him in. Um, now, I will say this. In terms of the team impact, I get. I know the last half of the season, especially the last couple of months, people were very upset with how, how um, passive he looked on the field. But I'm going to equate him to a player that in the NFL, in the National Football League that Baltimore used to have as a quarterback, Joe Flacco. We used to call him Joe Cool, okay? And he got so much flack in this city because he was the same. No emotions, zero, which is good and bad. But some people are like that. Some people don't wear their heart on their sleeves like that. Not everyone has that same passion. And I don't think it's fair to get upset with a player because he doesn't wear his heart on the sleeves. You want to see that it's more entertaining for us. It's easier for us to see, but at the same time, I don't begrudge it. As far as the difference on the field, statistically, I have to disagree on a per 90 minute basis. There's very few players that come close guys for Dooney in a season where maybe everyone thought he didn't have the difference making capability that he used to still led Still led Greece in goals and assists combined, assist leader, second assists, you name it. We talked about how good Masuras has been for this team. Only Fortuny could match his metrics on a per-game basis. Maybe not on a whole, obviously, because Masuras played way more minutes over the course of the last two seasons and so forth. But Costas Fortunis has the best metrics on a per-game basis. A any way you slice it. I, I will. I can go through everything. I'm not going to do it now, but I've done it before. He is the best statistically for this team. Nobody else comes close, except maybe El Arabi for goals. But that's it. That's it. Crew, you had a thought. The the one thing that I've always thought about with 
with Fortuny is whether or not he should have left after the year he had with Marco Silva and what his career would have looked like if he had moved on and not moved on like laterally moved on taking that next step and that next challenge. And it, it's an interesting thought experiment because I could see it going in, like taking it to the next level, or I could see it in a flop, come back to Greece within a year, year and a half. See, I read this. Guys, I'm sorry. As much as I love Fortuny, and Podense said it when he left for Wolves, uh, the, the mentality is not there for the next level. Uh, that, that, that's the fact. And that's why he stayed in Greece. And he knows it. And that's that's what is so infuriating with so many Olympiacos fans, especially on days when he's not he's not getting it going. It's because we know what he's capable of. He knows what he's capable of. Everyone knows what he's capable of. There's a reason that Pep Guardiola went to him after City beat Olympiaco the second time and had a chat with him because people recognize his his talent. But, you know, you can't – there's only so much – there's only so far talent can get you. And he just yep. never had the mental fortitude to take it to the next level. And and that's okay if, if that's what he wants. He wants to be the big dog in Greece. That's great. And But to Cruz's point, it always will leave you with a – Oh, what if he had gotten to West Ham United? You know, what if he had gone to the Prem or Spain? Yeah, we'll always wonder that. But, you know, the mentality just wasn't there for that, unfortunately. What what are, what are his wages? For uh, Fortuny's one of the higher earners. A lot more than mine. He's close to $2 million. He's okay. close to $2 million a season. Can, uh, this is the question I want to ask. If I was to see Marinaki and uh, Pedro together, uh, I will tell them, like, why, uh, you know what, if you're going to keep this guy and make him, like, uh, come in the last 20 minutes of a game, like, it's better to spend the money on uh, somebody who's going to play uh, full-time. And, uh, like, we're not we're not a club like Man U to have super subs like, with those wages. To 100% be fair, right. though, when, when he signed that contract, he was coming off one of his best seasons. And... Martins, if I'm not mistaken, was just coming in. Yes. And then, just like now, preseason, he tore his ACL and it set him back. And so, you know, I mean, say what you want about the wages. I'm sorry, but he earned earned those. Yes. Now, uh, one last thought before we move on uh, to to our next segment. Um, I'm just going to say something that Costa has said, uh, Costa Levoyani, the other host of the Gates International podcast. He is a village boy from Calabaca. That's what, that's the mentality you've got guys. That's, that's, that's what it is. He, he loves it here. He's a homebody. He loves Greece and he, he, this is where he's comfortable. This is where he's staying for better or for worse, whatever that means for his, uh, for, for his career. That's what we've got. So moving on, we have another we have another issue, another transfer area that's going to be very interesting. Uh, as we've been reporting on the podcast, our sources as well as um, many outlets have been discussing the that Sa is is pretty much out the door. Uh, Wolves are selling Rui Patricio to Roma, and their first choice, and it's I mean this is pretty much done. It's it's Jose Sa. It's just a matter of when. 
So then the question becomes, with Jose Sa out, we've been very strongly linked with a couple of goalkeepers, two in particular. Uh, Alphonse Ariola from PSG and uh, Thomas Vachlik from Czech Republic. Uh, now, the Ariola rumor, that would be a loan, uh, specifically a loan in which we would be required to pay about half, maybe 60% of his wages. Uh, he's been reported to be making $4 million, $4 million a season for PSG. Uh, there have been some reports that mentioned when he made a contract or when he had a contract renewal that he was at $8 million. I have no idea if that's true. I think $4 million is the correct amount. So we would have to pay about $2-$2.5 million for the season to bring him in. But Vatic would be free. As far as his wages, we'd probably be paying him close to $2 million as well. So the question is, with Solakis coming up, the Phenom goalkeeper in our academy, and we're about to get about 10, 10 to 12 million for Jose Sa. Do we bring in Ariola on a year loan, see how Solakis develops with Christensen also in there? Or do we bring in Vachlik for free? Um, I just want to point out one quick thing before I get you guys' opinion. Uh, Vachlik has some very interesting injury history. Nothing crazy. He hasn't missed more than 30 games in the last seven seasons. But. The commonality with the injuries is always his knee. Knee here, knee there. I think there was a hip at one point. But it's a lot of little uh, knee injuries. So I want your thoughts on that. We'll start with George this time. Well, uh, like our buddy, uh, Mr. Nicopolili said yesterday, uh, goalkeeping is a whole different beast. And uh, we got to get it right because uh, you don't want to throw him in the fire. Eight, uh, how old is he? 17, 18? Playing for Olympiacos. All the pressure in the world. You know, this guy's going to... Uh, we, we end up losing a one nothing game to Larissa. And this guy's going to get uh, killed in the newspapers. Can he handle it? We don't even know his attitude. Is he strong-willed? Uh, I know he's still young. Some people are more, uh, you know, uh, ice. Some people are fragile at that age. I know I understand that Linko Polidis was protecting the names of the players and this that, but uh, the goal situation is uh, they got to get a veteran that also is willing to teach or willing to accept that he's the goalie of the future, you know. Which uh, I don't know none of these guys' backgrounds. Uh, PSG, another guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the Czech, he's the Czech keeper. And they're, yeah, their characters. What kind of characters are these guys? And these are things that have to report to do. You don't want to bring a guy in that uh, they're going to play Zolaki in a Greek Cup game and he's going to go crazy. Like, oh, I came here to play and, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. And that's kind of one of the tough things is, especially us as we're trying to figure out these players coming in, if they're good fits, we don't see that. It's difficult for us that aren't in the training facilities that aren't meet, seeing the players, the mentality. So it's always, it's always very difficult to figure out if what, what they have, are they going to be a problem? Or are they not going to be a problem? That's difficult for us. Um, Perry, uh, what, what do you got on this goalkeeper? Situation? Uh, so, I mean, for me, it's easy. And my, my background is working in an academy and my academy that I used to work for just promoted three 17-year-olds to the first team uh, here in Canada. Um, you go with Zolaki. 
you you had to throw him in at 17 years old in a cup semi-final, I think it was, first leg against Pauk in Tuba. And the kid, uh, yeah, okay, he conceded three goals, none of which were his fault. And you still ended up going to the final and winning it. Uh, but in terms of nerves, uh, for me, he's proven that he's got it. And, you know, now's the time to play him. Uh, he does well for a year, two years. I mean, you're going to sell him for a boatload of a boatload of money because uh, he's uh, he's definitely on other teams' radars in terms of uh, talented goalkeepers in Europe. Um, that being said, uh, it probably being Martin's last year in Greece and it kind of being the last shot at a double and, you know, that European uh, championship, wh whichever one it may be that they have kind of on their list of trophies to accomplish. Uh, I don't see them going with an 18-year-old. Uh, I don't think Martins would risk his uh, success on a kid, no matter how much he believes in him. Um, so uh, in terms of the timeline and where Olympiacos is at, uh, either of the two goalies that you mentioned are good options. One, because of, like you said, the injuries to one, so Laki will probably still get in there, which is kind of a terrible thing to say. But um, And then in terms of uh, Ariola, uh, he's a... Uh, he was a highly touted. He was very similar to Zolaki uh, in France as a as a kid coming up. So it, it'll be interesting what they do. And then Christensen, I know he impressed the club with some of his performances late in the year last year. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does um, in preseason. Yep. It it really will, and you're. I think you're spot on with that. We know that Martins is very, very conservative uh, with this stuff, so I don't think he's going to take that risk, not to his career, not even for uh, the career of Zulakis as well. Uh, Crew, uh, before we move on to the next segment, what are your thoughts on this goalkeeper situation? I agree with Perry. Um, I was going to make a lot of the same thoughts, and it's one of those things where, and like you said, if since we don't know what's going on in the training room and the practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the decision has to be made and by people that know more than we do uh, regarding what Zulaiki is actually made of and what is the, uh, what should the, the best plan should be for him. Um, if it is to get another year of tutelage, um, so be it. Uh, now, where that tutelage should come under someone who's on loan or someone who's purchased, who's going to be here for a couple of years, doesn't really matter as long as the as long as they choose the right person for the for the goalposts. Um, I'm fine with it. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be sad to see Saw go, but um, we kind of all knew it was coming. And uh, I, it's nice to have yet another ambassador out there um, in the EPL about um, what Olympiacos can do to players' uh, futures. I well, agree with you there. Roberto wants to come back. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think I think that ship has sailed, boys. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if, especially if that were me in the front office, I don't know if I'd take that. I don't know if I want him back. To be perfectly honest with you, listen, guys, I want to play goalie for Olbiaco too, eh? But, you know, <laughs> we need someone that can uh, that can actually do it at a high level. Yep. 
Uh, now, one of the uh, there was we got two more transfer topics to really to discuss or transfer slash returning player. Uh, next one coming up. So Pierre Kounde, guys, what uh, we did a deep dive on him. I did a deep dive on him last week. Um, how do you think he's going to slot in here? Um, uh, for those of you that know the player that listen to the deep dive, uh, just want your thoughts. If what you think this guy's going to be, he's come in. A lot of people are saying he was like the Mahdi replacement. I don't think he is a, like an Adi Mahdi. I think he's a little bit different player, closer to Guillerme. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, we'll start with crew this time. So thanks for the deep dive. I'm actually not overly familiar with this player. Um, so the deep dive was, um, <laughs> at least I'm very thankful for it. Um, but uh I don't think we're going to find a completely natural Maddie replacement. I don't think it's going to happen. I think uh, it's, you know, we, we kind of struck gold with, with Maddie and to just say, Oh, we're just going to find this other player and it's going to be a one for one swap. I, I just don't see it. Um, so if it is closer to Guillermo, that's fine because I was a huge fan of Guillermo. Um, so that, that would be fine by me. Uh, but I just hope that he just fits and, um, and Martins makes it work. I mean, the, the one thing that we've seen with uh, transfers, at least under Martins, is that he generally doesn't do plug and play. Um, if you remember when Guillermo came over, it actually took him, what, probably a month and a half to two months to start playing regularly. Um, so yes. uh, I, I can see something like that happening again. Um, and I could see also about 25 articles on the Greek sports websites complaining about why he's not playing um, in the month of September uh, until he starts playing regularly, I don't know, the first or second week of October or something like that. So, um, you know, obviously I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess would be the best way of saying it about, um, about his fit with the team. Yeah, I think you're right here. And then uh, Nick uh, uh checking in from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you so much, Nick, for listening. Uh, has a nice comment here that I, I agree with, uh, at least from, from what I've seen so far. Stronger, faster, a little bit better ball control, and his passes are extraordinary. The one thing I will say that Guillerme in the film I watched, Guillerme's vision uh, is a little bit better. Uh, Guillerme, if you guys remember, one of the reasons that he was – just so electric for us and so great for us in transition, getting the winning the ball back, getting the ball, switching the field of play immediately, spurring a counter. I mean, Guillerme always saw that. I mean, quicker than even us looking, looking behind from the screen. And we have the view of the whole thing, and he's on the field and he's seeing those runs before we are. Uh, that's that's what Guillerme brought to the table. Now, I will, I mean, Kunde is faster, he, 100%. Uh, great technical ability. So I think I think he's going to have impact. But uh, crew, I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of people forget that in the beginning it was Bukalakis and Mari that was in the midfield that they were tinkering with, and it was Bukalakis Kamara. Then Martins transitioned to that Bukalakis or sorry uh, Kamara Guillerme double pivot when we were running the four two three one. Very good point you brought up, George. What are your thoughts on the Pierre Kunde uh, transfer? Well, I don't know much about the player, but me, the one thing that always scares me the most when we get transfers is, I'm sure you guys are going to know, is their mentality coming to Greece or what do they expect, you know? A lot of times they come expecting easy. A lot of times they come in uh, thinking they're better than the league. Do they adapt to the Greek culture? 
Uh, I remember even Rivaldo, imagine, he, he came at 35 years old, played in Europe his whole life. And I remember uh, it was after the Liverpool game that he said that he didn't know how big Olympiacos was when he saw the fans in Liverpool. Like, imagine, now these guys coming here thinking, uh, oh, Greece, whatever, I'll come here, I'll, I'll move on to the next league and the pressure that they get from here. And can they adapt? You know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you, you you don't use it properly, it means nothing. How many players have we gotten over the years that were very talented and uh, didn't pan out? A lot of great players. Yep, and this is something we've discussed. All of our guests, all of our player guests have come on and said, hey, I mean, when you come to Olympiacos, there is the situation here, the atmosphere is like none other. It is not comparable. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, as far as what Kunde wants, he made it pretty clear um, that he's here for Champions League. He wants to play in Champions League. He wants to play in Europe. Uh, when he did his his press interview, his entrance interview, that was that definitely was something that was on the forefront of his mind. Uh, Perry, uh, give your thoughts on Pierre Kunde uh, before we move on to the last uh, transfer segment. Yeah, uh, and in in fairness uh, about Guillerme, uh, that year that he came over. Uh, he had no preseason with Deportivo La Coruña. And when he came over to Olbiaco, he had missed the preseason. So he was playing catch-up, which is why we didn't see him uh, very much in that first uh, month. But I think he was always in Martin's plan. Um, in terms of Kunde, um, my dad had mentioned to me that this was a player that they had coveted for a couple of years now. I'm not sure if, uh, if that's uh, accurate. You guys may know better than me. On that on that front, but we kind of alluded to it when we were talking about the Fortuni injury. I feel like that injury is more of an opportunity for Martins to uh, explore more of that three back that we saw late in the year. Uh, explore more with a two striker formation, and when you play uh, with either of those, you kind of need two bodies in the midfield to do the work of what three would do in another midfield. And I feel that uh, based on what I've read about Kunde, I, I haven't seen him play yet, but based on what I've read, it seems like he's the kind of player that you could stick next to uh, a Bukalaki or an Mvila, and you'll have a solid midfield with just two bodies uh, doing the work for possibly three. So I think um, that's where my mind went when I saw this this transfer. It's like it's just another tool for Martins to kind of tinker with his lineup, whether he wants to go with a three-back, uh, a four-back. Does he want to play with two strikers? Does he want to play with one? Um, and so, you know, for, an, for, for a manager to have those options, uh, it's kind of just, uh, yeah, why not give him all the tools he wants and – uh, you know, the pressure's on him after to kind of just make the puzzle fit. So um, that being said, I, I, I also, it's it's fun to note, I think he's the third Cameroonian to ever play for uh, Olympiaco after um, Jean de Macoun, who was also a solid midfielder. Uh, he came over during the Valverde years. And the other was uh, Gaetan Bong who uh, ended up actually having a decent career in England uh, as oh a left God. back. Bonk. And he still plays, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Let me uh, ask that, you guys. That's where I am. 
you guys prefer a team built on every uh, team or that we have a main guy to score? What do you guys prefer? What do you mean? A team built offense or that we have a main guy that's built around the main guy? Uh, I look for me, I, I don't have a preference personally. Uh, obviously I prefer something that's a little bit more well-balanced, but as long as we have the appropriate pieces and we go full into whatever build that we're, we're trying to go for, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see us build around a system and jump into the system that that's what I care about. But I also care that we have a manager that can make adjustments and doesn't just stick with the same thing when things aren't working. Uh, one that comes to mind is Michelle. Michelle refused to change. He ran out of ideas, but he, and he just kept hoping the same thing would work, work, work. And it didn't. And that's what led to the end of his tenure. Uh, you know, I would, I much prefer a versatile, a versatile coach that's ready to adapt systems like Martins. Martins, he, he made it clear his favorite system is the four, four, two, but for Libyakos, he changes based on what he thinks is the best based on the talent that we have. And that's what I, that's what I prefer. I, I could care less whether we stick with what, as long as we're going into it and we have a team that's adaptable, that's what means a little bit more to me. Uh, Zach Carr, thank you for checking in. Hello, buddy. Uh, now, moving on, uh, there's one last transfer segment or returning player, I should say, that I wanted to discuss with you guys. He's uh, somebody that I've written about. He's somebody that we make fun of a lot on the pod. We've talked about. What are we going to do with this nerd, Pepe? Guys, he uh, popped up in the friendly yesterday uh, in a midfield pairing with Tiago Silva, Snore. Tiago Silva, I can't believe he's still on this team, but we're going to move <laughs> on from that. This segment isn't about him. Pepe. So if you watched the friendly yesterday, uh, whether you have or not, but either way, does Pepe have a place in this team? What do you think he's going to do? We'll start with crew this time. <sighs> yeah, I've noticed the, uh, the teasing of Pepe uh, over the course of the podcasts and I'm willing to give him another shot. Um, I, I think last year, didn't he come in injured? Am, am I remembering that correctly? Um, so he did. Yes. Also and, the birth and, child. Okay. So, you know, put those th two things together. Um, I think you're, you have a situation where it wasn't just the best situation from the start, especially for a younger player. Um, obviously Martin saw something in Pepe. So, uh, I have no problem with giving it another go um, just to see if there's a true place for him. Um, it's uh, there's no downside here. Um, and I think that even if it doesn't work out uh, from an investment point of view, I think we can probably sell him for what we bought him for based on the fact that he's still young. Perry. Um, I thought he did. Uh, he did well on loan at uh, Falamisao, uh, where, where we sent him. Uh, he played he played basically all their games in the second half of the season, um, which was good for him to get those, uh, those games under his feet and because he, he wasn't going to get that chance at Olbiaco in the second half of the season. And honestly, the way, that, you know, you bring in Kunde and I just don't see where he fits right now on this team. And so I think they'll send him on loan again. 
um, there's not much more to it. I mean, the, there's a, there's a lot of bodies in that uh, midfield right now. And, uh, you know, unless he starts to wow in training and the preseason games, which, you know, if that was the case, we'd kind of start to see articles written about it on Gazeta. Um, and it doesn't seem to be the case. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's going to end up going on loan and that's not a bad thing. You know, maybe he goes on loan somewhere. He has a great season. They want to pick it up and it might be one of those, uh, one of those transfers that will be the guy plays two, three games for Olbiaco and they end up selling him with, you know, more than what they purchased him for. And Olbiacos has actually done really good business in the last few years of players that either play very little or don't even play, but they go on loan, they do well, and they still end up making money off of uh, the player, which is good business as well. So, Absolutely. This club, I mean, look at Igor Silva, guys. We got a million from Igor Silva. Does anybody even remember him? <laughs> you oh, know? my God, Silva. We got we have a got a million and fifteen percent I think it was from uh, Kuipers. That's the type of club we are, guys. Things that players that other people would view as flops that other teams would have to pay to get rid of in Greece, we still get money for, and that that's the level we've gotten to. Now, George, give us your thoughts before we move on on Pepe. My my response is that's why I could never be a manager because I'm too patient, uh, impatient. Uh, this is this is all I think on Martins. If they see if they saw something in him, is he a good guy in the dressing room? Is he a good uh, team player? I mean, it, sometimes it, it, listen, like it's like I always say about the local kids. I always believe like if you're gonna get a foreigner, he has to be at least one and a half times better than the Greek local kid. Don't just sell a player just to bring another guy in and then hope. I mean. With him, I'm 50-50. If they were to get rid of him and get somebody, I wouldn't be shocked. But if they were to keep him, it all depends now what the Martins had seen in him. But uh, if they see some good in him and they could work it out, do it. But just don't get another player and then the guy's a flop. And then we're like scrambling to get a replacement last minute. That's a fair point, I think. Now, moving on into the next segment, before we get into the ethnic Iomada, which you guys I know are dying to talk about, uh, what's your expectations of Olympiacos this season? What Martins, probably last season uh, of his contract, no discussion of any type of renewal. I doubt it happens. He's probably going to move on to bigger things after this. But what are the expectations for this season? Uh, we'll start with Perry this time. Um, well, because you mentioned it, I think the uh, the progression for Martins is, uh, I think the hope for the Olympiacos family, if you will, is that Nottingham Forest go to the top flight in England and he would move over there um, and get a crack at the EPL coaching at Nottingham. But that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, in terms of expectations this season, listen, I think... Uh, you know, you're going to have some reaction from your competition in Greece. You know, they've uh, they've gone and hired uh, their managers and they're going to come back and you're going to, you know, as every year, you're going to have a target on your head, which is okay. I think the expectation is still that you're going to go after the double. Um, at the very least, you know, uh, win the league and, you know, get to that cup final and anything can happen in the one game final. 
Um, but I think the real focus is starting to shift for this, you know, this plan that this regime with Karembe and uh, Martins is really, you know, let's tr try to make a go of it in Europe. Um, that being said, if we're being realistic, I don't think that they have a chance at doing anything in Champions League other than participating in the group stage. And so the more realistic goal would be to make a run in Europa League. And I've I've always said that, and I say it proudly, Olympiacos is a strong Europa League team. That's that's the reality of it. Can we dream? Yeah, of course. Uh, if Olympiacos were to play in the round of 16 of the Champions League, I'm all for it because that's just another... Uh, level of prestige and it's another level to be able to talk about especially in the modern game of football where it's it's very difficult to get to that stage uh, when you're coming from a league like what Greece has become <laughs> but my my expectation is uh, go for the double in Greece and you know I'd like to see them take a step further in Europe uh, and so for me anything short of a you know make your way to the Europa League and make your way to the to at least the semi-final. Anything other than that is just, you know, what have we been working towards the last couple of years? We're just kind of stuck in the same spot. I want to see them take it a little bit further. And I think they have the manager to do it. I think uh, it's just a matter of, you know, being a little lucky with your draws and executing when the time comes. Good point. Crew, what are your thoughts? We agree again. Uh, so uh, obviously the, the league championship um, is uh, the first priority and um, you know, it's going to be an interesting year um, to see how, how things go there, especially with fans returning um, with regards to Europe. Um, I'm a little worried uh, champions league wise, not from a qualification point of view, because I think um, we should qualify. Um, obviously anything can happen over two legs. Um, but, uh, we're going to be in pot four, um, which is, uh, going to make things a little bit tougher, especially because the draw can be that much more difficult. Um, so the worry, I guess on some, well, the money's great. Don't get me wrong, but the worry is if the draw does go sideways, um, you don't even have Europa to look forward to in, um, in 2022. Uh, and obviously I'm not saying that just because their draw doesn't count, come out great, we come in last, but um, just from a strictly team budget and um, <laughs> just chances point of view, you have to figure uh, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, but uh, I would agree. I, I would, you know, I, I don't know if I would say semis, but I would say at least the final eight for Europa um, would be the next step. Um, you know, obviously the draws there can be all over the place that we've seen. We, uh, we seem to have um, <laughs> some affinity of getting Arsenal uh, too, too often. Um, but uh, I think that there is a run in this team. Um, and my hope is that we can just take that next step. George. Protathlima first. Like uh, they said to final eight, whichever Euro tournament we are, it has to be the goal. I mean, Pedro's, Pedro's gone. And uh, I read a few months ago that even Karambu, I don't know if you guys read, I think it was in Gazeta I read it, that he was talking about like, that he, I think it was uh, France or Spain that he wants to uh, be involved in the team there. Uh, so it's like, he's a big part of the team. You know, if Karambu leaves, who knows who else will leave with him? 
that's a whole different hold in management. Who do we bring in? Who replaces them? Uh, we got to go for it. Marinaki, too. Uh, he said, 20, wh- how many years he's been now with the team? Has he had the this team? This is year four. No, Marinaki. Oh, Marinaki. Marinaki is 10 years. 10 years. So he had We're a 20, on a year 11. 20 year plan. You remember? He says 20 years. Yeah. And after that, so there's, there's nine more, uh, almost 10 years left. So I think he's going to be pushing more and more now. I think he's going to. Uh, you know, like I, I don't think he's gonna want to have any regrets. Uh, I know he's gonna want to have a team budget, uh, have a good Olympiacos fi- financially, but uh, I think he's gonna go for it. I'm not saying uh, Roman Abramovich type, but uh, it's time. You know, Olympiacos, he built it. We're financially secure. We, we uh, he's got to start pushing a little bit more now. So we have to expect I, more. I think you're. I think you guys. Do, you do have a point there. I think you're absolutely right. I think the expectations, especially for Martins last season, will be pretty high. I know for me, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely disappointed. The double for me was that was my expectation this season. I wanted the double, despite everything that happened. Um, I and I don't. It, so I am disappointed by that. Uh, we pushed decent. We did push decently far in in Europa League this year. Um, you know, unfortunately we couldn't pull it away with Arsenal. Uh, we didn't have the correct pieces to start the season, but we built on that in the middle of the season and we looked better afterwards. Uh, but you know what round of 16, we got to that point. I hoped we could go further and you know, we didn't. And so I have to say this season was a, a little bit of a disappointment for me because we didn't win the double, but that's going to be my expectation next season. We win the double and if we don't make it beyond at least round of 16 Europa League, I have to question where what, what we've been building for. Um, now, that will be tough, especially if we do lose Mahdi, if we lose Sa, and if we lose uh, Semedo, which has been reported as well. So we'll see um, what happens. Uh, well, I want to move on. We have a couple more quick segments before we close things up here. Um, the next thing we're going to get on to is the – the conversation everybody loves to have with the ethnic Yomada boys. Uh, specifically, the question will be, is you know, if the ethnic E is going to qualify for the World Cup, what do you guys think, based on the friendlies we had against Belgium, uh, the friendly that we just had as well against, uh, oh my God, I'm already forgetting who we played against. Uh, Norway. 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 And then uh, now with the look of with how Sweden looks, we're going to be playing Sweden very soon in the upcoming qualifications in a couple months. They look good. So what are your thoughts? We're going to start with George this time. Does does the ethniki qualify for the World Cup the way things seem now? With that manager, no. I can't stand <laughs> him. He's useless. That guy's a nobody trying to play auto i don't know where this guy's getting his character wise i don't know if he was like that before like i'd I love to say who hired him did you do any background of this guy like you know like me if you meet me after five minutes watching a game you're gonna know that i'm a fanatic i'm crazy i'm a wacko <laughs> don't hire this guy george to uh, lead the team you know i can level because all you want but i can't coach a team I, i'm the guy like uh, i see you playing by for five minutes I'll, I'll put you on a bench okay bring another player uh, I, I don't understand this guy unless he's a good actor. He through the process of uh, the interview process, he said all the right things. That guy was a, he's a total joke from the beginning, man. Like, I, I, I don't think the players respect this guy, honestly. 
I mean, you play to win SDK, then you see your top players not playing. Uh, like these players, you know, there's a small window to win. You know, like uh, this is not Brazil where you could tell one of the guys, get okay, get out of here. We have somebody to replace you. This is Greece. I don't know. I just uh, I have no confidence in this guy. I don't either. And it's something I've been very vocal with. Crew, what are your thoughts on uh, whether or not the ethnic key will qualify? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, th- there was a glimmer of hope after the first qualifying match, um, but we we tossed it away in the second qualifying match. Um, and <sighs> look, could it happen? Sure. I just don't see it. Um, I don't see it with this manager. I don't see it with this roster. Um, you know, it's uh, if you take a look at this roster right now, how many of them would even make the roster for the European no, Euro Euro 2014, like not starting, like even make the roster. Um, that is an issue. Um, and, you know, not to, not to pin it on the, te- on the players that we have at our disposal right now, but um, there's just not that many players that are difference makers and um, smaller countries go through these. They have that golden generation and there's a lull and the hope is that we can build another golden generation. Um, but right now the answer is no. Perry, you've been waiting. Let it rip, man. <laughs> um, so first and foremost, with John Venship, wh- say what you want about the guy. Uh, he's played for Ajax. He's played for the national team of Holland. He's a disciple of Johan Cruyff. Uh, so, and to be fair, his first couple <laughs> of games in charge, I saw some things that I really liked from our national team. And then somewhere along the lines, it all, for a lack of better term, went to shit. Um, I was completely disgusted about the way that they've handled the whole uh, Socrates, Manolas, Jova situation. Uh, for me, uh, a national team, uh, a federation, and a manager, they make it work with their top talents. And it seems like at every juncture they're going against them rather than trying to work with them. Uh, and that's been, uh, it's been such a turnoff uh, to the point where I no longer want to watch national team games. That, that's what it's become. Uh, are they going to qualify? Uh, no, they're not. Uh, is there a path for qualification? Absolutely. You need to beat Spain in Greece. You need to go in Sweden. You need to win. Uh, you need to beat Sweden in Greece. You have to not drop points against Georgia <laughs> for the love of God. Uh, and also, I don't know if you guys have seen Sweden at the uh, at the Euros, but they're kind of a good team. And they're kind of a much better team than Greece. And, you know, I think Zagoraki coming in now, I think he's got to hit the reset button. I was disappointed that when he did take over, he was uh, allegedly going to be letting Van Ship go in their first meeting. That didn't happen. I think that was a, I think that was a big mistake. I think that was a mistake. And I know uh, we're getting the dollar dollar bill signs, but I, I don't care. I mean, you have to hit the reset button. I would have loved to see someone come in who uh, has a more has more of a um, understanding of the Greek mentality and the Greek players and the Greek league. And it's just it's can, can, been it, it's been trash for so many years now, and it's 
it's it's disappointing. Can I ask? Can I say something? Uh, just to interrupt you. Sorry. Uh, most teams have veterans and this that you know, like uh, a lot of sports teams are uh, any any sport. Uh, yeah, we we have Zavella. We have Zavella. That, but that's what I'm saying. The G, <laughs> like the GM comes to the a lot of times it comes to the the top the the veterans and talks. It, it happened to the Montreal Canadiens a few years ago when they got rid of the captain. Like sat them down, like uh, the coach and uh, are, are you guys happy with the coach? Uh, you know, talk. Who who's gonna, who are you gonna go talk to in Greece now? Which players are you gonna go sit down and go listen to and talk like uh, about Van Schip? Like who? Well, guys, Luca Vidra still plays, huh? Oh God. Well, look, the I'm gonna say this. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot the same Greek fans, and I do want to point this out. The same Greek fans that thought we played a lights out game against Spain, where by the way, guys, we had zero goal threat. The goal we scored was not of our making. We got lucky. Uh, let's be honest. It was lucky. We drew a penalty. That was it. And the same people that thought that Greece played the best game ever against Spain, the national team was back, chastised the Swedish team for playing the same way against Spain. And guess what, guys? Sweden actually had multiple opportunities in the final third. They had multiple attacks. They actually generated a real XG. 0.6 to be exact compared to our zero with four opportunities on the goal. And we had zero, zero, literally a zero, no goal threat, maybe one or two tacks, zero shots, period, besides the penalty. So I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. Even, a, sorry, a friendly against half of a starting lineup against Belgium doesn't mean anything to me, especially when we know that JVS plays with some cool lineups and friendlies only to revert back to back passetas in the middle of these games. <laughs> Which, by the way, guys, in that game against Spain, Bacasetas had two forward passes in 80 minutes. Just going to say that. Wow. Anyway, moving on. This Swedish team is infinitely better than we are. It has to be said. They are better than we are. But they're always up they there, are. Sweden. And people use the population as an excuse. The population of Sweden is how much? It's not bigger than Greece. Uh, that I can pull up for you. They're I always up there, Sweden. man. And, and you know what? No matter what teams go into tournaments, nobody bombs them. Everybody sweats to beat Sweden. They might not have won a tournament, but they're always there. They're always solid. You gotta sweat your ass to beat this team. And Greece is like it's a joke now. Like I don't understand. Uh, completely yeah. fell off. I can't. I can't. I can't. Ten million. Greece. Ten million. Population of ten million in Sweden. So yeah, very exactly. similar. Exactly. Very similar. Yeah, but you don't even have to look at the population. Just look at the clubs that their top players play at and where our top players play at. And exactly. That, well, that that's, says it all, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it said it all when Van Schip in that one interview, when he was talking about players playing in Turkey, that it's, you know, top competition. <laughs> Ignore the Champions League that Libyakos yeah. players were playing in. Oh, they're playing in Turkey. That said everything to me about them. What did he say uh, about well, Georgia? No, it wasn't Georgia. It was Moldova. No, no but what the did he say? Top defense. Yeah. Remember that. Moldova. Amazing defense. Uh, so again, I look, I'm going to stand by. I'm going to stand by what I've said before. So far, JVS's tenure has been a failure. Look, you could be undefeated all you want, but ten draws, five draws, and barely beating minnows means nothing. Like if you, how many teams have you heard of with an un, that were undefeated but didn't win anything? Do you do you remember those teams? No. Tom Brady went undefeated in the NFL here, but didn't win the Super Bowl. Do people still remember the undefeated season? No. 
to be fair, I think that's how Portugal won the last Euro. I think they didn't <laughs> they didn't they didn't win a single game in regulation. <laughs> <laughs> But you it's okay. we'll, we'll we'll give them a pass because uh, they're coached by uh, by Fernando Santos. Exactly. So, True. will he come back to Greece? You think? No, no. Um, Not so, unless they lift the smoking bans. <laughs> there have been there, there have been countless there have been countless calls, articles, um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, about building a better structure for youth in Greece in order to sort of mature, improve, et cetera. We still don't have it. Um, I believe even Otto called for it um, 20 years ago. So it's, that's part of the issue. You know, Sweden and Greece populations are right about the same. Um, you know, if you look back at Iceland from a few years ago, um, they actually created a whole network um, to uh, improve sort of that grassroots level of, of um, soccer, football, depending on where you are. Um, and uh, until there really is that commitment, it's you're going to need that magical run or that magical mix of players um, for it to happen for Greece. And that's just the fact. I mean, if you look at the Euro 2004 squad, the seeds were there because at the under 18 European championships, they went pretty far. I think at the U21 championships, they went pretty far. Um, and so, you know, you had a pool of talented players. What? Uh, sorry, let me, uh, I've said this to many people and many people have told me, you know what, you're kind of right. Uh, when it comes to soccer, we're like that. Why in basketball, we always create superstars? The teams are always good in basketball. The players are super. Why the soccer? I think the soccer program has to look at the basketball program. Say, hey man, these guys are uh, every year they're producing players. Why? Why is soccer like this? Portugal has a little bit more population than us, and they're time and time again great teams, great players. It's it's something to do with the uh, like you guys said the structure in Greece because basketball is is thriving. Uh, crew, I love that you mentioned Iceland because I actually did a deep dive on that when I was uh, doing my uh, my masters, and uh, the biggest thing that Iceland did was they invested in coaching, and the uh, you look at how many players, youth players. Uh, per coach, and it was such an anomaly in terms of every other European country. And so you look at what the coaching is at the youth level in Greece, and I know for a fact from conversations I've had with youth coaches in Greece, you know, you get to the youth levels in Greece, and they're looking at the results rather than the player development. As early as 15, U15, they're expected to win the league, Guys, what does it mean to win the U15 championship? The nothing. answer is absolutely nothing. And so there needs to be a shift in focus in Greece of this like, yes, okay, have a winning mentality, have a winning culture, but the focus can't be on winning at the youth levels. It has to be on the, the development and the individuals and the players. And unfortunately... The way that things are in Greece, that's how it is. And 
and George mentioned Portugal. Portugal's the complete opposite. It's about development, and that's why you have, um, and you have these strong federations that have a plan and they know how to execute it. And unfortunately, Greece is stuck in the mud, and corruption has always been a, a thing. You know, you're sad when Canada has more world top players in Greece. <laughs> that, that, that does speak that, that does speak volumes yeah well we can only hope that you know what let's see what Zagorakis does he's made some interesting moves already some stuff I agree with some stuff I don't uh in some capacity but at the very least he is a football guy he is a former player he is not just a suit or a you know a cafe owner that just decided to jump in and run football because he's bored Uh, so we'll see what happens. I think he has the right ideas in mind. Uh, I hope that some of the off the field allegiances don't affect him, but we'll see what happens. Uh, we do have one more quick segment before we close things up. Uh, guys brief Euro 2020. Uh, I wanted to get some picks. We have some games today. Uh, today the Netherlands is going to play Czech Republic in their round of 16 game and then Belgium, Portugal, Uh, which is going to be a very fun game. I'm looking forward to watching that later. So uh, wanted to get your, your predictions for these two games. And then finally, I want to hear everybody's predicted Euro 2020 champion. So we're going to start with George. George, uh, give me your picks for the two games today. And then who you think is going to make it all the way. Uh, today you said who? Portugal? Who's It's Portugal-Belgium is the three o'clock game. And then 12 o'clock is Holland versus Czech Republic. I see Holland, and uh, I don't want Portugal to win, but having Ronaldo, everything's possible. Uh, Belgium is a tough squad, but uh, Belgium, I don't know. They're just, uh, they're just uh, chokers, I think. I just think uh, experience is going gonna to beat them down, Portugal. They're going to play a defensive game, and Ronaldo's gonna, they're going to counterattack, and they're going to score. And your champion for Euro 2020. I say France is going to win it. Oh, that's a that's a very good pick. Very good pick. Crew, give me your winners for the games today, and then let me know who you think is going to win Euro 2020. Uh, I have the Netherlands, um, and I actually picked Belgium. Um, the whole family filled out brackets yesterday before the game started, so we'll see who who's right and wrong. Uh, but uh, it's. Uh, It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game to watch. I, I do think Belgium takes them. Um, I have not been overly impressed with Portugal in the group stage, um, and you know part of my pick probably has to do with the fact that I can't stand Cristiano, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I fully admit that. Uh, but uh, in terms of the champion, um, and I had to sweat it out yesterday, but I have Italy winning it. <sighs> Another good pick. It look I took the early odds before the tournament started on Italy because I couldn't believe that they were. Like not, they were down so far. It was like ninth when things started. I was like, that's, come on. For me, going into the tournament, they were way better than that, at least higher up than England. And then, but the odds makers had England at like number four. I was like, no way. No, uh, England, but, England always wins. You have to understand. Yeah, England yeah. always wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Perry, your two winners for today. And then give us your, uh, uh, your pick for the champion for Euro 2020. So uh, I'm a big fan of the Dutch team, uh, but I also think that their coach is a big loser. Uh, Frank De Boer just doesn't cut it as a manager. Um, and so 
I don't think the Czech will pull the upset, but I don't think that the Dutch will uh, will make it to a final or anything like that because I think in the next round they'll have to play the Germans anyways um, because England's losing. Um, on uh, when, when do they play? On Monday, Tuesday? Um, so, uh, and, and I won't get into it too much, but how Jaden Sancho hasn't seen the pitch under Gareth Southgate. I mean, that's just... Oof. British that's JVS. Another, that's a, that's a, another podcast uh, in a, on its own. Um, for the later game, I think we're going to see penalties today. So strap in for a, for a, a long match. Uh, and I think the... Uh, I mean, penalties is 50-50, but uh, I'll go with the Belgians just because I think uh, they finally start to kind of get over the hump. And uh, my winner for the tournament is it too much of an outsider to say Greece? Probably. Um, but uh, no, I mean it, it, it's uh, why man they're led by uh, John Van Schip. Huh? Yo, Yorgos Zavellas is the next Sergio Ramos. Just that comment made me, yeah. Anyways, um, no, but, uh, you know, it's it's tough to go against France right now. You know, they're just, uh, they're clicking on uh, on all levels. Um, but if there's a team that could kind of surprise us all and it's kind of turning into a nice story is the Denmark team. Uh, they played a really nice game yesterday. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to replicate that against some of the um, the stronger sides that they'd have to go through. But uh no, I'm just uh, enjoying watching games every day. Um, and it's going to be nice to have this next summer as well. It's very rare that we'll experience uh, – well, we'll probably never experience it again, hopefully. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, to say a prediction I, I, at this point, until proven otherwise, uh, you you got to go with the French. Yeah. Uh, look, the French are th – that team is so strong. Um I think they definitely probably will be the the guys that uh, that end up winning it. But for me, I'm actually my my horse in this race. Uh, I've been saying it kind of from the beginning. For my favorite has been Italy. I think that they're the guys that are going to do it, uh, go the whole way. So I'm still reserved about Italy. Yeah, they got exposed a little bit by Austria. And I, wanna, I think uh, I think because crew already picked Italy, I have to go with somebody else. So you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a Fernando Santos repeat Euro victory with Portugal. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going with. I want to see Italy play a top team. Then I'll reserve my judgment for them. Well, they will be. They will be playing whoever Belgium or Portugal win today. They're going to yeah. be playing that top team. Yeah. And I'm going to take Portugal to beat Belgium today. And, of course, I'll take Holland to win. Um, wrapping up, guys, we're on about an hour and 15 minutes here. Uh, as always, I want to thank everybody for listening, especially if you've made it this far. Uh, it was fun kind of discussing with, with the guys again. Uh, getting the old discussions to the forefront. Maybe we get uh, some more people together next time. Uh, see how this goes. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on social media. Subscribe to us on YouTube. The more listeners we get, the more fun stuff we can do. We've got a lot more fun things planned for you guys. Uh, we went through some things in housekeeping, but we've got a lot more 
up our sleeves. A lot more stuff coming up. Don't forget, tune in, everybody, next week. Olympiacos DC, division finals. Uh, if they win this, they can make it into the big tournament and then have an opportunity if they succeed there to make it to the U.S. Open Cup and play against the real professional teams in the United States. So continue to watch out for those guys. Support them. All the feeds are free. We post them every week before the games. They're also on the Libyacos DC site. Check out the Nico Polidi interview, guys. Uh, legend of the club. Uh, and still is affiliated with the club. This is a really important interview. It is in Greek, of course, but we do have English subtitles if you're watching the video. Thank you, everybody, again, for listening. Uh, this is the Gate 7 International Podcast. We'll see you next time. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Sto mialo kati magiko.